I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyette. That's Creole for something extra. In the 1950s, most single, white, middle-class women were expected to marry and raise a family, much like their mothers before them. But the job of airline stewardess offered another kind of life for young women looking for something else. How many small-town girls like me looked at a flight attendant and thought, that's the best job in the world? These young women were drawn to an independent life of travel and glamour, but the airlines also imposed women-only job restrictions and deliberately excluded black women. From GBH's American Experience program, the new documentary Fly With Me showcases the firsthand accounts of the pioneering airline stewardesses who, historians argue, transformed the workplace, both in the air and on the ground. They took up economic issues, but they also focused on issues having to do with appearance, grooming, and control over women's bodies. How did these women go from conforming to gender stereotypes to fighting for gender equality in the workforce? Joining me now, Sarah Colt, writer and co-director of Fly With Me, an American Experience documentary and GBH production. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Callie. It's great to be here. I'm glad to have you. Also with me, Julia Cook, author and historian featured in Fly With Me. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Well, um, first of all, I was struggling around stewardesses and flight attendant because I knew we had been told, don't call people stewardesses, call them flight attendant. There's a whole thing with that. So um, at the time uh, that you begin to tell the story of these women, they're stewardesses. And that has actually a historical meaning, meaning, Julia Cook. Um, you're the author of Come Fly the World, the jet age story of the women of Pan Am. Um, talk about that, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was one of the first things that really struck me as I started to meet women who um, described themselves to me as stewardesses. These are women who at that time, in, when I first started meeting them in, let's say, I think it was 2014, they were in their 70s. Um, they were really remarkable, charismatic, fascinating, knowledgeable, um, glamorous women who, um, when I referred to them as flight attendants, corrected me. Um, with no compunction. They were just immediately insistent that they had been stewardesses. Um, they felt that it described the job that they had performed in the moment that they had performed it, the rigors of the job, and in, indeed the freedoms that they had fought for. Um, they began and ended their careers in times when that was the correct term. Now, for the women who continued to fly into the 70s, 80s, 90s, um, they moved from stewardesses to flight attendants. And uh, what we learned, uh, Sarah Colt, in your fabulous uh, documentary, um, is that these women were, as glamorous as the job looked, as restricted as they were in some ways in the outside world. So in the outside world at the time, when um, in the early days of aviation, they were otherwise would have been housewives, white women anyway. Um, and here they are in what looks like a glamorous, independent life, and yet... There are sexist, that's the only way to put it, restrictions. 
Yes, I mean, I think what's so uh, fascinating about this story are the contradictions. So on the one hand, these women who were on the getting this cutting edge job, you know, flying was a cutting edge technology in the 50s um, into the 60s. They had this cutting edge job that gave them independence, allowed them to travel alone, go to foreign cities, go to domestic cities. One woman told us it was just nice to lie in bed all day in a hotel room and have nobody asking you for anything um, over a layover. But at the same time, what they discovered was that the rules that the airlines Im imposed on flight attendants or stewardesses, as we're calling them, were uh, very restrictive. You had to be a certain weight, you had to be a certain height, you had to look a certain way. And the one uh, that was particularly bad was that you had to retire, and this rule was imposed in the early 1950s originally by American Airlines, you had to uh, retire by age 32. 32 years old and you were done with your career. So if you wanted to work for more than a couple of years before marrying and you wanted to make this a career, you were going to lose your job. You aged out in your 30s. And Julia, I want to go back to you and have you emphasize um, in more detail what these restrictions that uh, Sarah has laid out meant. Because I'm talking to an audience of, of young women who I can't even imagine what you're talking about, <laughs> you know, um, and the kinds of restrictions that seem like they were from, uh, I don't know, centuries ago, and they actually weren't. So a little bit more detail about what that age um, and weight limitation was all about. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's it's fascinating to me to um, to read the way that these women were assessed. Um, you can go into archives and look at the ways that hiring um, the people that were doing the hiring were assessing the women that they were um, looking at. The requirements, um, they really reflected a, a very real contradiction. Um, they were really openly sexist. Women had to be young, under 26 at the age of hire. They had to be unmarried. They had to be a specific height and weight that was pegged to that height. Um, and they had to do weigh-ins to make sure that they were maintaining that weight. They also had to be very, very pretty. And that's what um, those those hiring um, assessments that I'm referring to, um, that's where they get most really skin crawly, honestly. Um, their physical beauty was assessed in excruciating detail and with some pretty racist undertones as well. I'm going to get to those racist undertones in just a minute. But um, all of what you've just described now um, as you made plain in the documentary, was so that they would be more appealing to men that were, these were the, the biggest customers. And they wanted them, as one of your uh, witnesses said, kind of almost available. They wanted to give the, give the impression that they're, they're available, kind of maybe, sort of, <laughs> in the way that they promoted the job of stewardesses and all their beauty and their age and, uh, and the, uh, uh, the single restriction. I want to play this clip. This At one point, there was a whole campaign called Fly Me, as if the stewardesses, the women, were somebody to be flown. Um, <laughs> this is just, it's so cringy, as you said. Here's the clip from the Fly Me slogan. Fly me how? Well, what are you going to do, get on top of me? You can fly me morning, afternoon, or night. Just say when. I'm Judy, and I was born to fly. It was pretty close to fuck me, and I, I, I hated that. It was really an insult. It's rather shocking to look at now and just it, in its nakedness. 
I mean, Sarah, when you first saw this clip, what'd you think? Really? Wow. Naked. Yeah. I mean, I have to say one of the things that made this project so mouthwatering for me and my co-director, Helen Dabrowski, was that we knew that uh, not only was the story, we were just fascinated by the story, but the archival material, including these ridiculously over-the-top sexist advertisements were um, available to us as filmmakers. And it was just really exciting. And, you know, as you say, it's just, you can't believe these ads. And so the Fly Me campaign, which you can Google and find on YouTube is just unbelievable. And it takes you right back to a very specific time in the kind of seventies where people looked a certain way on television and the music is a certain way. And then the message is just over the top. Um, and one message uh, that had come through uh, loud and clear, as many of your uh, stewardesses uh, made plain, they wanted a uniformity of look. And the uniformity of look really um, also spoke to race as well. So it was never uh, intentional that they were thinking about hiring any people of color or black stewardesses for this job. Um, some, a few pushed in, uh, one pat. Banks got in and went to the college, which you had to go to to learn how to be a stewardess. And when she got out, uh, she couldn't find a job. And they told her point blank, well, you're not going to get hired because in the language of the time, you are a Negro. Um, This is Pat Banks talking about um, her experience. I just couldn't deal with the racism anymore. I couldn't deal with it. I didn't think it was fair. I'm just as equal to you as you are to me. We're one. We're humans. And you're not going to treat us this way anymore. I was determined that somebody of African-American heritage was going to get this job. Now, that led Pat to file a lawsuit, um, which she eventually won. But, you know, that was unheard of at the time, and it stirred up a lot of discussion, uh, Julia Cook, about... um, stewardesses, their role, how they were hired, you know, all of the other stuff that came under scrutiny as well while while this was going on. Absolutely. You know, the the racism was really very overt. There were some um, hiring um, executives who who openly said to the press that um, if if an airline began to hire black women, they feared that it might downgrade the glamour of the job to the white women who they wanted to be applying um, and 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 working the job in the first place. Well, speaking of Andre Mays, um, she had kind of a rough go of it. And uh, similar to the kind of detail that I think it's important for people to understand when we say there was racism, um, she tells a particularly poignant story uh, in the film. So here she is talking about having to often sleep uh, elsewhere because the white stewardesses wouldn't uh, let her in their room. When we traveled, you had to share a room. We would pull up to the hotel, the other three flight attendants. They've already discussed it among themselves. One would run out into the hotel and sign up for the rooms. By the time I'm getting into the hotel, they they already have the key and they're gone. They would open the door, but then tell me that I have to go downstairs and get my own room. 
I remember the front desk not being able to convince them to open the door, uh, not having any rooms available. And on many occasions, I would kind of settle in a corner, you know, uh, I'm still in uniform, and I would sleep in the lobby. So the experiences of uh, Pat Banks and Undra Mays, now uh, some of them have gone to a, a legal situation to get addressed. And what's happening in general, though, through the other stewardesses is they're waking up to say, hey, you're treating us like um, so, much, so uh, a possession and not like employees, and we are uh, getting shafted every day doing this job, and they decide to organize and um, file lawsuits of their own. Talk about this shift, Sarah, and why the thesis of the film is that these women were actually on the front lines of the women's movement. And I, you know, that's really, I think, key to the story, which was that these were women who fit a certain stereotype of being very feminine, and they weren't necessarily obvious obvious feminists given the, the career choice that they had, but in fact, they were early in the fight, uh, sort of what we call second wave feminism in fighting for women's rights and women not being treated as second class citizens in the workplace. And so there's a shift that happens from the 50s into the 60s and then into the early 70s. And the sort of ultimate um, example of it is the formation of Stewardesses for Women's Rights, which is the organization you were um, referencing, which was founded in 1972 and is a very sort of cutting edge organization of women across airlines coming together and saying, we're not going to put up with this anymore and we're going to fight back. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and I'm speaking with Sarah Colt, writer and co-director of the documentary Fly With Me, and Julia Cook, author and historian featured in Fly With Me. We're talking about how airline stewardesses played a significant role in American history. Julia, talk about um, really where they are in the spectrum of women activists moving toward um, a really powerful women's movement. Where would, where would you put these stewardesses? I would put them as um, right in the middle of it. I, I really think that um, no other job asked for women who were wanderlusty, interesting, engaged with pushing boundaries, um, and also then expected them to just go along with these um, very, you know, sexist hiring practices. And so, you know, I, I think they they might not have envisioned themselves as being on the front lines of a women's movement. And yet in their insistence to keep the jobs that they really loved, um, they were determined to um, do what they had to do to, to maintain that position. A lot of them really were very canny um, and knew what they wanted and, and were aware of how the women's movement might help them. Enormous numbers, thousands of women behind them were not so in tune with the women's movement. They really just wanted to keep working. Um, and I think that that is in and of itself quite a revolutionary act for the, the era. I think it's important, uh, you both have uh, mentioned it in passing, that these women were uh, quite smart. <laughs> um, 
as you make the point that it was a harder job to get than to get into Harvard uh, today, that 6% of the women had degrees, a whole 10% of the women on Pan Am had been to graduate school. And so in in a way, it was it's weird that the airlines would assume that people that came with this kind of level of curiosity and intellectual curiosity and, and skill, interest, would then be compliant. Right. Well, and I think that's one of the things that I love about this story, which is that if you put people in a box, and so we're talking about women in this era where if you had some education and your opportunity for work was very constrained, you could become a nurse, a teacher, a secretary, maybe a librarian. And then this this profession of stewardess emerged and it attracted very ambitious women, women who in a different era would be running the airlines themselves. It's really kind of mind-boggling to think about. Um, And uh, a point that you make throughout the film, Sarah, is that um, if you're not compliant, then you're the opposite of that. And that really got a lot of these women in trouble. Um, Here's a clip from uh, one of the stewardess talking about fighting against the restriction of uh, not being married or having to be single. She said one of my problems was that I just was tenacious. They wanted someone who complied. You did what you were told to do, and you didn't challenge them. Um, I found it hard not to challenge them. When they started giving me extra check rides, I thought, they have to know I'm married, and they're trying to get rid of me. Uh, Julia, that just almost sounds bizarre now <laughs> that you, you couldn't be ma- I mean, you know, you, you're trying to put it in the historical context that you've put it in very, very beautifully, but it just seems so, so long ago. But it, I want to keep reminding people it actually wasn't. It was not long ago at all. It, it, it's staggering. Um, and, you know, that 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 audio clip really captures what I think is the, the essential irony of the job, which is that these um, corporate entities um, wanted to hire these women who had wanderlust, who were daring, who wanted to do something that was slightly out of the norm. And then it's like they didn't expect anything would come of it. It's incredible. So here we are at a time where we find all of the this kind of story or aspects of the story so shocking. And yet we're at a point where women's rights, some would argue, are being rolled back. What's the power of this story right now, Sarah? I love that question because I actually think this story is extremely important for just those reasons, which is that this is not that long ago and that it's, I think, easy for women of today, younger women, to really take for granted how many rights we have and they are being threatened in today's political environment. And um, it feels somewhat shocking to think that all this the fight that it went before us would then get rolled back, but it, it's possible it could happen. And so hopefully, as is often true with the um, projects I've been lucky to work on for American Experience, there's always such a contemporary element to these historical stories. And I think this one really carries a lot of punch for the present day. Julia, what would you add? You know, I I think that what I found so remarkable about these women was the balance that they um, really found between solidarity and selfishness. 
Um, I think that they were selfish in that. Um, and, and I use that not as a in a negative way. I think that they were very intent on garnering experience, on doing interesting things and claiming um, more for themselves than their mothers had 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 for themselves. Um, and so I think that they they were very intent on doing that, each of them individually, but they also were really aware of um, the power of relationships um, with one another in particular. Um, Sarah really captured nicely the um, the sense of humor um, behind the solidarity, like the women who, um, even though they were unmarried, decided to wear wedding bands after the story broke in the media that one stewardess had been fired because she herself was married. Um, so they were all just essentially trolling their supervisors. Um, I, I think that that balance of um, you know selfishness and solidarity is really appealing to me and something that I hope that um, that I have certainly learned from while while researching um, at these this book um, and and interviewing so many of these women. Um, and I hope that you know women even younger than myself can can learn from that as well. Any other takeaway you'd like uh, viewers to get as they're watching this incredibly entertaining but very uh, very serious history um, uh, film, Sarah? Well, I feel like one of the important messages that comes out of this film is is how activism and standing up for what is right often starts with one person. And when I say that, I think about Pat uh, Banks Edmiston, who we feature in the film, and I think about Dusty Rhodes, both women who are um, were fighting back at a time when that was really um, a brave thing to do for a, a Black woman, for a, um, any woman to stand up and go against the status quo. So it really feels to me like the story is about how it starts with one person and that a movement really um, requires leaders and that we have leaders all amongst us all the time and that we need to make sure that, you know, we recognize that it can start with one person. Julia, last word from you. Oh, just just how remarkable I think so many of these women really are. Um, I, I think that what they did in their era was incredible. Um, those that I have had the privilege of getting to know have um, struck me as still remarkably just incredible women. They're they're strong and interesting and funny, um, and I I love hearing their stories. And and I hope that um, other people also love that. Well, I thank you both for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. This has been fun. Sarah Colt is a writer and co-director of Fly With Me, an American Experience documentary and GBH production. And Julia Cook is an author and historian featured in Fly With Me. That's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Listen to us online at GBH News or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, X, and Facebook to stay up to date with our programming. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Jesse Steinmetz and engineered by Dave Goodman. Our intern is Tu Lee. Our theme music is Fish and Chips by We Are Two Saxies, Grace Kelly and Leo P. Listen again on Wednesday and see you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday for a new episode. I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening. Thank you.